Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. The scripture reading today is from Matthew 5, 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Annalise. Hey, everybody. My name is Steve, and uh, I'm the pastor at Genesis here. So good to be with you. Uh, Fourth Sunday of Epiphany is what we're in right now. And Epiphany means manifestation. It's the season of the church calendar where um, it's after Advent and after Christmastide, but before Lent and before Eastertide, when it's almost as if we get to know Jesus as the Son of God over and over and over and over again in ways that are surprising and in ways that sort of move from darkness to light. And so we've been looking at these last three weeks as kind of a four-part series in what it means to move from darkness to light when it comes to a faith reconstruction. As I've sat with so many of you, so many of us, myself included, I'm just very aware that um, many of the conversations that I have at Genesis and elsewhere surround um, periods of time in your life where you encounter a disruption, a relationship, a question, maybe an illness or a job loss that gets you to questioning what you used to believe or what you now maybe no longer believe. And you get to a place where you say, like, I, I just can't pretend that I believe that anymore. And when I talk to people that are in this stage, frequently um, there's this anxiety, like I'm losing God. I don't know how to find God again. I don't know if I ever will. And then I typically say something like, congratulations, you have graduated. And they look at me like I'm absolutely crazy, and I probably am, 
But what I mean is not congratulations for going through a very hard time. I certainly don't mean that. But I do mean congratulations for going through the human journey of learning that there is more to God and more to faith and more to what you there is to believe than you used to have. And what you used to have wasn't bad necessarily. It just comes to a point where it's not enough. If God is limitless, then we will always keep understanding more and more about God and about each other and about ourselves. And so we're looking at these four weeks as like four movements in a faith reconstruction. The first movement was disruptions, is what I just talked about. Uh, An illness, a job loss, uh, a a change in what you believe about what the Bible says, a relationship with someone that you used to think there's no way that they could be a Christian even, and then you realize, oh my goodness, maybe I'm not a Christian. Like, if they're not a Christian, I for sure am not. Um, Disruptions are really hard. We would never pick them because they change the flow of our lives as normal. And when we really let them in, there's no way of going back to life the way it used to be. But a disruption can lead to an invitation, which is sort of the second movement, so disruption, invitation, when we interrogate it and get curious about it, when we turn it over and over again until we can see a new and bigger perspective. Um, That song, Brother, that we sang, by the way, thank you. You guys, beautiful. Just sounded so gorgeous today. Cello. Woo, woo, woo. But seeing your enemy as your brother is a change in perspective that you can't pretend. You can't just say, well, I should. You have to actually go through movements, disruption, invitation. And then this week we'll look at education. Um, But getting curious, how do we need to see this differently? If you were at our roundtable discussion last week, where our listening circle uh, that has been, over the last four or five months, navigating this question about LGBTQIA plus inclusion at our church, this, this group of seven or eight people with diverse views about what the Bible says about inclusion uh, have ended up not necessarily, in some cases maybe, in some cases maybe not, changing their ultimate belief, but they've all changed how they see each other and how they see um, inclusion itself. And we got a front row seat, if you were there, at hearing like how perspectives have changed. Uh, one person said, I thought I went from being closed-minded to open-minded. And I realized I just went from closed-minded to closed-minded. <laughs> Have you ever met someone like that? Like they've totally changed their opinion on a certain perspective, but they're just as much of a jerk about it now as they were about it then. You know, they're just, it's like they're just playing for a different team. You know, like it used to be, used to be like, I used to hate you then and I, I hate you just as much now. Um, even though I agree with you now. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's like this whole thing of disruption, imitation, education, integration. It's like having a personal Copernican shift. So in the 1500s, Copernicus discovered that the earth actually wasn't the fixed reference point of the universe, is which everyone thought the earth was the center of the universe, but also that it never moved. And how convenient that is, isn't it? 
that we would live on the planet that's the center of the universe. I mean, that is so, oh, oh, that's so great. And when you think about that, like, as, a term, as it relates to a faith reconstruction, when you get to the point where you realize, oh my, like, my belief system, part of it might be true, but also if I believe it's just 100% true, lock, stock, and barrel, no more questions, no more evolving in that, it's like you believe that you're the center of the universe, and of course we're not. So, all that brings me to a confession. Confessions are good for the church, right? Here's my confession. Breathe in, breathe out. I like Taylor Swift. <laughs> now, some of you, I just lost you. I just lost you forever. I lost you forever. But I do, and I have for several years now. And um, she just put out, uh, what's that? that's heavy, right? Yeah, can we breathe in, breathe out, Joe? Can we? Um, but I do. And so I watched, uh, just in the last couple of days, the documentary that just came out on her life called Miss Americana. And on Twitter, though, I said, ah, is this really worth it? You know, Miss Americana, Taylor Swift, whatever, whatever. And, and then the responses I got back were, yes, it's really worth it. So it starts out really interesting. It starts out with her sort of flipping through journals of her 13-year-old. I'm not going to, like, give it all away, but I will share some stuff. Uh, none of this will make you, like, it's not spoiler alert. I mean, everything that has happened to her life, you know it because she's Taylor Swift. Okay. So it starts out with her flipping through this, these journals, and she's 13 years old and stuff. And then she says this, my entire moral code then and now is this. I need to be thought of as good. It was all I wrote about. It was all I wanted. It was the complete and total belief system that I subscribed to as a kid. Do the right thing. Do the good thing. And then she goes on to say, I've been trained to be happy by getting, I've been trained that you're happy only when you get a lot of praise. And I had that praise. Taylor, you're doing a good job at being a songwriter. Taylor, you're a good musician. Uh, and those pats on the head, she said, that's what I lived for. I was so fulfilled by approval that that was it. And then she said this, and I became the person who everyone wanted me to be. Now, I'm going to pause and say, like, like, some of you are thinking, like, you're talking about Taylor Swift, okay? One of the most popular people in the universe and how maybe she went through an identity crisis. Oh, poor Taylor. But let me say this. You be 17 years old. And you have every single person on the planet critique every single part of your body, whether you want to or not. You be on an award show, and Kanye West comes up and says that Beyonce should have won. And in, in, this is a spoiler alert, but it's not really. But she said, you know, remember when people booed at the VMAs? You know, they booed, and they were booing Kanye for being Kanye. 17 years old, who do they think she's booing? Sorry, who does she think they were booing? She honestly thought they were booing her, that she shouldn't have won. Now, she went on to win lots and lots of things, still does. But really early on in the documentary, it shows her waiting for a phone call all by herself on Grammy nomination day in 2018 after uh, her Reputation album came out. And that album was when she kind of, you know, like, 
she broke all the rules. She, you know, she wrote what she really wanted to write. And she's waiting for the phone call. The phone call comes. I don't know if it's her agent or her mom or someone. And the person says, right now in the main categories, the big ones, album, record, song, for the Grammys, you are not nominated. And you see her just, she doesn't break into tears. She just kind of, and she goes, okay, um, okay, this is good. This is fine. I just needed to make a better record. And then the person says, well, Reputation is a great record. And I think it is. <laughs> and she just goes, no, no, no. I'm making a better record. And I'm telling you guys, the rest of the, it's hour and 20 minutes, but it really, she really gets pretty vulnerable and raw about how no matter how many awards she won, no matter how big she got, um, if she didn't get the number one, it wasn't enough. And her whole value system was based on that, right? Taylor Swift. Um, so let me make a hard right turn into St. Ignatius. Can I do that from Taylor Swift? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Here's what St. Ignatius said. He was the father of the Jesuit, Jesuits, but this is a rough paraphrase just for ease of understanding. Every person who tries to follow Christ will experience a struggle. And the struggle centers around identifying yourself by saying, I am what I have, or what I possess, or I am what I do, or what I perform, or I am what others think of me. But the way that Christ invites the person to identify yourself is by saying, I am poor, I am open and transparent, I am vulnerable and truthful. I want to read that again. Every, every person who tries to follow Christ will experience a struggle. The struggle centers around identifying yourself by saying, I am what I have or what I possess. I am what I do or perform. I am what others think of me. But the way Christ invites the person to, to identify yourself is by saying, I am poor. I am open and transparent. I am vulnerable and truthful. So I want to go back uh, to what Annalise read just a few minutes ago, the Beatitudes. It's the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous sermons ever, one of the most misunderstood sermons ever. When Jesus saw the crowds, you probably missed this part. I did. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. All play question. What does Jesus do? I mean, I just read it. But what does Jesus do when he sees the crowds? Ooh, leave, run away, makes him work for it. Uh, it's like he kind of knows, man, they're not going to like this record. So he goes up on a mountain and he waits for the people that come to him. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn. And um, on the surface, the Beatitudes 
Well, let me ask it as a question. On the surface, what do the Beatitudes sound like to you in terms of spirituality? Thanks, Scott. A prescription for what? For behavior, yeah. If you're not poor in spirit enough, be more poor in spirit. Oh, Jason, sounds like the opposite of what's true. Would you say more? You don't have to, but. Yeah. You don't think of the person who's poor in spirit as blessed. You don't think of the person who's mourning as blessed. Exactly. Uh, what else? <laughs> who, who said that? Is that Karen? A little. Hi, Karen. Oh, man. Uh, a little shamey. Yeah, I, I can hear that. You know, Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Like, who hungers and thirsts after righteousness enough? And what kind of righteousness, you know? Like, oh. Any? Oh, wow, Cassandra. There's no markers in that grid to track your progress. Yeah. Uh, that would fail, though. Any marketing people? And like, what's the, what's the goal-setting thing? It has to be hungry or tired or sore. Or, what is it, Scott? Smart, yeah, smart. I don't know, I don't know. it doesn't matter. Um, um, <laughs> measurable, yeah. Thanks, Will. It feels like a weapon that you can use to justify your position. Like, again, if you're poor in spirit enough, then who can attack you? Because you're, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Will just said it. The, per, the bit about persecution at the end can lead you to say, ooh, if people think I'm a jerk, then I'm really, I'm doing it right. You know, I'm really doing it right. All right, John. Uh, yes, it, it, the 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 way that it goes the opposite—that it doesn't sound like people are blessed with a porn spirit. The opposite of the opposite works as well. That the people that you think are blessed really might not be blessed in the same way. And, and again, in in the first century, the rock solid belief was that if you were sick, tired, hungry, poor. That was automatically, that meant that you were not, God did not bless you, you were not on God's side. And if you were, if you, were you know, on the, on the right side of the belief system, if you were wealthy and prosperous, then you were. And um, so I, I tend to agree with all of this. I think on the surface, the Beatitudes can seem like spiritual benchmarks that you have to reach and you eventually will reach if you stay at it long enough. So like, but then that asks, that begs the question, how poor in spirit is poor enough? Um, how meek is meek enough, how hungry is hungry enough. And there's always probably someone who's going to be more poor in spirit than you are, right? <laughs> you know, wow, that jerk. You know, they're so humble, I hate them. Um, and then, uh, or more meek than you are. Well, meek, you know, does that mean you're just milk toast and you don't stand up for yourself? Well, what does that mean? Uh, and then, do you have to be sad all the time? Is that what mourning means? And then you're blessed? Because I've been sad a lot and it doesn't feel blessed. Uh, so, but I think like there's other categories you could do in 2020. Blessed are those who believe in the right things, right? Or blessed are those who care about all the right things. 
enough and who show it on Twitter. Um, Blessed are the woke, the evolved. Blessed are those who never rock the boat or blessed are those who always rock the boat. You can go on and on and on, right? But I think it does mean something, these Beatitudes, right? We can't just throw them away. They mean something. So I'll throw this out. I think they're not a list of things that we can work hard to achieve. That's not the point of them. Because what Jason said, and actually John, the the truth is they, they were meant to be a kind of a jarring, the people you think are not blessed, actually God is on their side already. God starts on their side. The people that are poor in spirit. And the Greek word for that, poor, is tokos, and it really means like, blessed are those who are at the end of their rope, who have no, nothing left, no more energy left to fight, or um, you know, they've just been, they've gotten the stuffing knocked out of them and they're done. God is on your side when you feel like that. When you're so, when you so are mourning, either your own sin, the sin of the society, or just your own pain. God is not distant from you. God is with you, even if God feels distant from you. So it's this list of surprising price tag changes, sort of, that you all of a sudden you realize, oh my, God is on your side when you're probably feeling like God is not on your side at all. Which means, and that's the question, well, does that mean God is not on my side? I know that's always the question that comes. And um, no, no. But it does mean it's a challenge if there are any, if you have any category of person that you say, well, God is for sure not on their side. That's the challenge. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up into the mountain. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, you who are poor in body or in spirit, you are blessed because God is on your side in your poverty. You who are mourning, deep in pain, you are blessed God is on your side in your sorrow. You who are meek, gentle, and unassuming. You who don't look strong, you're blessed. God is on your side. You who can't sleep at night because you weep over the lack of justice and righteousness in the world, you are blessed. Even if you're not woke, God is on your side. Richard Rohr says this, the amazing wonder of biblical revelation is that God is much different than we thought and much better than we feared. The amazing wonder of biblical revelation is that God is much different than we thought and much better than we feared. So we sort of wrap it up in, in a, let's, let's put these three uh, out of the four together. So you have a disruption. Uh, something happens that changes the flow of life and you get angry or you get scared. And remember what, what we're learning to do with that is we just let those emotions be there until they rise and fall. We don't judge them. We just let them be there. We're mad or scared. Does no, it's not helpful to judge them. Um, like, oh, I, should, I shouldn't like Taylor Swift. I'm 49 years old. Um, <laughs> notice without judging. Um, or be Taylor Swift. 
oh man, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't even nominated for a Grammy for this record that I worked so hard on. That really hurts. Not, I'm just going to make a better record. I mean, forgiveness to hers, but she was not noticing without judging. She was moving on to a solution. She's probably a three on the Enneagram, I think. Don't you think? Uh, she's going to achieve her way out of that. And then, but when you sit with it long enough for it to be an invitation, think of the listening committee from last week. Um, when, um, when these individuals were talking with one another about learning to love and do your own work, that's what I, that's what I heard over and over again, that I came in thinking I was right, and I came away knowing that I, had, I have work to do. I have my own work to do. Um, and that work is mostly listening and immersing myself in someone else's perspective. That leads to then, that imitation can lead to an education where the price tags of your values really do change. One of the people said this profound thing. He was like, I was just so stuck in a spectrum of, on the one hand, when it comes to LGBTQIA inclusion, there's either loving people on the one end of the spectrum, loving everyone always, or holding on to moral absolutes on the other end of the spectrum. I couldn't, I didn't know where to go with that because they feel like, con like, they feel like contradictory. And then he said, and then I realized there's got to be something above that. There's got to be something bigger than that. And the something bigger than that is what we're learning in the education part, is when your perspective moves beyond right and wrong always, I'm the center of the universe always, to what don't I see, what don't I know, what more is there for me to learn and discover and grow. And I think that's a posture of meekness and curiosity. And it doesn't mean you give up your convictions. That's the thing I want to say so hardcore. We can have hard disagreements that we never will agree on. But if there is something above that, we can be unified in that something above that. We get trapped when we feel like we can only be unified if we believe the exact same things, especially in the church, amen? There is a bigger and different way. I think that bigger and different way is in Christ. If you read every phrase in the New Testament where it's like in Christ, and you put it in the category of like differences in theological opinions, beliefs, you realize we can be united. But I think we have to go through the movements. You know, there's no shortcut to integration, disruption, invitation, education. So what would it be like to imagine our little community is up on a mountaintop with Jesus, learning right now in real time? LGBTQ issue, sure. But, you know, what about the fact that this room is almost entirely white? I mean, that's an issue. So let's solve it right now. No. But maybe we could start to get curious and, you know. So it's not this, what we're learning in Jesus, by Jesus on top of the mountain education, is not just for this one issue. It's 
to be human beings that are really learning to love each other, love God, and love ourselves wholeheartedly. Amen? So, I admire your courage. I'm in it with you. It's hard for me too. <laughs> and we're learning. I think we are. I really think we are. Amen. All right, we made it. Taylor Swift, St. Ignatius, Jesus. <sighs> what a sermon, huh? Okay. <laughs> Let's do the prayers of confession. I, I need them most right now. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would, would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.